Good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing okay? All right. Okay. All right. All right. By way of introduction, uh, if you're like me, uh, sight reading is really good. So let me uh, hit this back here. I think I'll hit it. It's in the front here. Over here? Which, which, where are we at? Very good, thank you. Um, should have probably had this uh, last time, but uh, we'll have it next time, and then the, uh, uh, pretty good outline here for, uh, I had my uh, beautiful secretary put that together for me, and so that looks, uh, I think it looks really good, so we can uh, we can go there. Gives you a uh, pretty good outline of where we're at in the book of Colossians. Before we get there, I want you to turn with me to the book of Judges. Not too many exciting things happen in the book of Judges, even though the Lord's there. Um, there's a uh, well, it's it's a book about judges and people ruling. But turn with me and we'll uh, see uh, some exciting, one exciting feature that happened in the book of Judges, chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. You're taking a look at uh, tradition this morning. And so here's a, here's a fellow that kind of breaks tradition, if we can call it that, in the uh, chapter 6. Uh, look with me, uh, verse, uh, we'll start with verse 14. The Lord looked upon him. This is Gideon and said, Go in your might, and you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Is a question the Lord is asking Gideon. He said to him, uh, My Lord, where shall, how shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon is explaining to the Lord, I'm insignificant. You, you've got the, you got the wrong man. We've heard that before from Moses. But here's Gideon. And... Um, the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you will smite the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If I have found grace in your sight, then show me a sign that you have talked with me. Uh, and then Gideon went in, and well, verse 18, he says, uh, Let me prepare a meal for you. And we're going to talk about food today as well, but here's some food. And so Gideon makes this meal. Uh, verse 20, the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, lay it upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And so he did it. And 21, fire comes out of this rock to consume the entire meal. Fire come out of a rock in front of you and me. I think that's a pretty good indication something different has just happened. And so then, verse 22, we catch that, and Gideon realized that the angel of the Lord, it was an angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, my Lord, I know, for I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. 20, verse 25, and it came to pass, the same night the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bullock, even the second one of seven years old, throw it down on the altar of Baal, your father has cut down the grove, the images that are in it or by it, and build an altar to the Lord upon the top of the rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, or second male calf, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which you have cut down. 
27 and 28 together here. Gideon took ten men, his servants, and did as the Lord said to him. Because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, he couldn't do it by day, so he did it by night. Verse 28, the men of the morning rose up early in the morning. Behold, the altar of Baal was cut down. The images were cut down, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. What Gideon did, God gave him the courage to do that, to change tradition. What happened? His father was serving foreign idols, foreign gods was probably uh, like a pasture grove that we would see out in the, if most of you know what farms look like, might have been a huge grove of just trees. And he was worshiping that. The Lord told Gideon, go tear all that stuff down. I don't want it. I don't want you to want it. So God gave the courage to Gideon to go do that. Turn with me real quickly then to Revelation. Revelation, we're going to take a look at what John says about a particular place, and then we're going to look at um, Colossians then. According to our map here, Colossians and Laodicea are only 12 miles apart. Here's here's the church of Colossians, Colossea. Here's uh, Laodicea, 12 miles from it. Um, 12 miles is not very far. Twelve miles is to Lake Shawnee, I think. Can we have influence as far as Lake Shawnee? Yes. I think there's another church that we used to attend over on 33rd and Auburn. If we measured that, it's about 12 miles. So a previous church that we just came from, can we have influence that far? Yes. How do we know that? Because Paul will write to the Colossian church, but he makes reference, and we'll see it this morning, of the Laodiceans. But here we find John in the book of Revelation. Well, it's not painting quite the picture that we'd like to paint. But this is what the Lord gave John. Verse 14, chapter 3 of Revelation. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, Amen, and the faithful and the true witness, the origin or the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. They're neither hot nor cold, And I wish that they were either hot or cold. But because they are not, they're lukewarm, I, um, well, you make me sick to my stomach. Because you have said I am rich and increased with goods, you don't need anything. And you know that, uh, well, you don't realize that you're wretched, and you're miserable, and you're poor, and you're blind, and you're naked. I advise you to buy some gold, tried in fire, that you might be rich and your clothing, that it might be the right kind of clothing, that it would cover your nakedness. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you would see. As many as I love, I point out their faults, and I want to correct them. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice, open the door. I will come into him and have fellowship with him. And he with me. Turn with me now back to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 
I would have you know in the great conflict that I have for you, for them that are Laodicea, just read about them. And for as many as I have seen, or have not seen face to face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, to all the riches of the fullness, assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should deceive you with nice-sounding words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I want to be with you in spirit, joying and beholding your discipline and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. We'll see that over and over again. Can't get away from it. Paul's excited about being in Christ. This is what he wants the Colossians to know too, the church at Colossia. Being in Christ, in Him, in love. We'll get to that. Therefore, receive Jesus Christ. As you have received, therefore, Jesus Christ, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, Established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, or behold, or have some insight, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the principles of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We are complete in him which is the head of all rule, authority, and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You are buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, Has he not made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the bond of ordinances that are against us, which were contrary to us? And he took it all away, nailing it to his cross. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or in a new moon or Sabbath days. Why, there are all shadows of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man deceive you, beguile you, of your reward in the voluntary self-abasement and the worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he, had, he, which he hath not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, not holding the head from which all the body of joints and the bands having nourishment ministered and knit together, increased with the increase of God. Wherefore, you be dead with Christ from the principles of the world. Why, as though living in the world, are you subject to these such rules? Touch not, taste not, handle not which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and the doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Let's pray together, shall we? 
Father, we thank you and we praise you this morning. Important passage. Lord, it's all of your word. And all of your word is truth. Lord, may we expound on it this morning. May we take that which is applicable to each one of us. Finding, Lord, that, well, as Paul put it, love. Abounding in the love of Christ, maintaining that and showing others. Lord, you you took all the commands and made it into one. That we would love you and that we'd love our neighbor as you've loved us. Lord, help us to take that message. In Jesus' name, amen. What's Paul doing here in this particular chapter? I believe Paul wants to confirm in the church what's happened in his own life. What's happened in his own life? Well, we know that he's probably in prison at this time writing this. It says, verse 1, chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers, the churches that are at Colossia. And we've, we've brought that home to each one of us, and it's, it can apply to the church right here at Lion and Lamb. What's he want to do? Well, I think, for the most part, he wants us to be comforted and loved and... Uh, the acknowledgement of God and Christ and the Father. And we'll see all that. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll flesh that all out. But to begin with, begin with um, Thursday's um, quite an important day for quite a few folks. Um, think of your uh, favorite food, just for a moment. Your favorite meal. Some of you, uh, like me, may uh, partake of that on Thursday. Uh, you may eat a lot of it this week, even after Thursday, and then there's Friday and Saturday. And it just it keeps going. <clears throat> On the average, we will gain um, two to five pounds. Hooray! Um, I could probably use it, <laughs> um, depending on how much or how little of that favorite food that we're going to partake of. Uh, the recipe uh, card file. It's going to get worked over and worked over. Um, the cookbook, um, if you have a cookbook like mine, some of the pages are kind of falling out. Um, the computer printer, uh, we need to go to the computer now. Everybody's got, so that'll get, uh, you know, at least once or twice there, maybe more. Um, then several trips to the uh, grocery store or the supermarket, whatever you need, man. You, you just got to go, got to go get that stuff. And then... Um, we're going to overload the, uh, the oven and the, uh, the microwave and the stove and uh, the dishwasher is going to get its plenty of service. Um, I don't have one, so my kids are just going to have to, uh, going to, have to pitch in. Um, and what does that all, what, what am I doing here? I, I'm, building, I'm building this all because we're going to partake of this with just ourselves. No. It's family. It's family. That's what, that's what Paul's trying to bring home here, too. It's, it's family. We're all part of the family of God. Um, and what we'll do Thursday is intimate stuff. It's with family and friends, and, and we're just going to... It's food and fun and fellowship. That's, that's what it's all about. And I think Paul wanted to draw this out. 
And I'm trying to draw it out here this morning. We'll, we'll go deeper with it. Um, and I think that's one of the, the reasons why Paul's writing what he's writing. He gives us a real good list as we'll uh, take a look. Verse 2, that your hearts might be comforted being knit together in love. Um, I had another translation that I was looking at, and it was um, uh, weld, being welded together. Um, He's, he's wanting the church to come together and be welded by the love of Christ. I like the word welded. I don't know if, if you've ever thought in terms like that. A, a, once you weld something, how easy is it to get it apart? King James here has knitted together. Um, but I like to go further that it's welded together. It's, it's not easily going to come apart, if at all. Um, if you've got kids like I do, um, duct tape and super glue are, are some key elements to have around. Um, and if you know anything about super glue, you, you dare not get that on your fingers or on your clothes or on your hands or on your teeth or you know, anywhere on your mouth because um, it, um, it's, it's welded. It's welded shut. It's welded together. Um, some potent stuff. Um, that's what verse 2 is trying to reassure you and me about. It's lots of love. Jesus Christ, His love for Paul, Paul's love for the church, and now catch this, because it's, it's coming all the way down the pike to you and me, because he's, um, it's um, Southeast Asia, it's Southern Asia. It's, it's the southern part of the Mediterranean. It's that southern area. Y'all need to love each other, is, is what he's trying to say. Love for Christ, for me, my love for you, and now y'all, y'all love each other. So my first point is this then. We pass this on. We pass on the family tradition of love we take the responsibility that lies within each one of us to what? Well, quickly, if we look at verse 7, he says, Root. Be rooted and build up in him. Establish in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Take some root. What's the picture of that? That's a tree. A tree having some roots. If you're anything like me, you take notice of some oak trees. Oak trees, when the wind comes, wind blows... What does an oak tree not do? It doesn't blow over very good. It's, it withstands it. I mean, I got one of those great big huge ones out in my yard. I don't know what kind it is. It's real big. Um, might be an oak, might be a maple. Help me. What is it? What is it? It's an elm tree. <laughs> go, go figure. It's an elm. My neighbors like it because they get to park underneath it in the hot August sun. Um, that seems to be the parking spot because it's, it's shade. It's, it's one of those one trees that um, it, it ain't going anywhere um, anytime soon. Um, that's the picture here in verse 7. You're rooted, 
you're built up in him, a carpenter. There's a picture of a tree and a carpenter together. I don't know how that works out, but, oh, I know how it works out. Carpenter needs the wood. He's got to go chop that tree down. I know I get a, if I went and chopped that tree down, I know I'd get, I'm ready to build my garage <laughs> or rebuild my garage. But that's what he's talking about. You're in me. You're in Christ. You're in the faith. You're established there. Pass this on. What's he say then too? Well, if we turn back just a page. We're knit together then the love with all the riches, fullness. I had some other things going on here too. Oh, here. Stay right there in verse 7. Sorry. I didn't finish it all. Well, yeah. In the faith, as you've been taught, abounding in love, um, comfort, encouragement, knit together. Again, the responsibility lies within each one of us to carry on the tradition of loving one another in the family of God. We find in verse 5, verse 2 is the love. Verse 5, verse 5 is the joy. There it is. Joy, steadfastness in the faith. Joy and faith in 5. Verse 6, we're going to live and we're going to walk. Walk or live, move. Whatever it takes to stay in step with Christ, go there. That's what he's saying. Walk, live, move. And then um, the last, last uh, word there in chapter 7, with all thanksgiving. Can't get away from that thanksgiving. Well, it's thanksgiving time. But I'd like to think that it's, it just doesn't happen one day a week. It happens... Um, 24-7-365. They're always giving thanks. As a, as a matter of fact, um, uh, that's one of the uh, problem areas. I think today. I think I shock a few people when I go through the line at the grocery store. Have you ever said thank you to the clerk? And sometimes you get a, a, woo, what was that? Where'd that come from? That's what I've instilled in my kids, that they're always thankful for whatever they... They're not always thankful for a liver that they get, but um, uh, we just need to be thankful. And that's, that's part of, I think, a downfall, if not in my own life, if not in the life of the church, certainly in the society. That um, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. And uh, thank you for giving it all to me, is that attitude. And... I just anyway that was that was free advice. Um, just to be real thankful. Um, verse ten, verse ten, it shows us that we're complete. This is the complete. This is the whole package. From verses uh, one through seven, um, culminate in verse ten. We're complete in Him. It, it doesn't get any better than this. We're complete. We're there. We're complete. Um, fullness. The complete. It's the completion. We're completely wrapped in Him. What is He? He's the head of all the rule, the authority, and power. And it goes right back to Matthew 28. Matthew 28 says what? All power. This is Jesus speaking to the disciple. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. I have it all. Um, so you just, as long as I have it all, I can give it to anybody who wants it, who needs it, who asks for it. I go back to uh, Solomon. Solomon was the wisest. 
Solomon has a list there, if you look in Proverbs, how to get wisdom. He, he maps it out for you. This is, how, this is how I got it. Boom, 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 boom. You get to the New Testament, Jesus said what? Just ask me. Ask me for whatever you need, and I'll give it to you according to my, the will and my plan to my Father. He's got all wisdom. He's got all the treasures. 2 and 3 coincide with verse 10. Verse 3, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Folks, we don't have to lack a thing. We do not have to lack a thing. So then being in Christ... What are you and I doing for each other to root one another in the Word? What will we do in the coming weeks to encourage someone? And that we would definitely and positively show this love that Christ has for us. Let me illustrate by way of um, I wasn't able to go with the guys, but um, this fits. Consider the wild goose for a moment. That V formation that they um, so eloquently put together, it enables them to fly with more ease and more speed. The point position of that V for the goose is the most difficult because the wind hits the first bird. And so you got that wind resistant. That's the most difficult. The stronger birds usually take that. But they rotate this position every few minutes. The easiest flight is in the tail, those last two birds in the rear section of the formation. And the stronger geese allow the weaker ones and the older birds to occupy those positions. So if you shoot those last two on the end ones, you probably got a young one or an old one, or a weak one. And I don't know what kind of meat that is, but, well, you you figure it out. But anyway, that's, that's how that is. And then they honk. It is probable that the constant honking encourages the weaker geese. Unlike the seagulls, you know anything about seagulls? Why they don't fly over the bay? Well, then they'd be bagels. But seagulls, seagulls, um, seagulls, they, they exalt freedom when flying alone. Uh, they, they, they thrust their wings back and that powerful stroke, and they climb higher and higher, and then they swoop down and make those fancy swirls, kind of like what those guys do on those fancy, uh, well, in the Olympics, you know, they do all that crazy stuff on that board or whatever. Um, but they swoop down majestic loops and circles. And the, but the wild geese, the wild geese teach us to uh, fly in the family. And you know what we can do when we fly in the family? We have a tendency to go further. We go further and we last longer. And that, that comes right back to our Christian family. That we could, you know, we're just able to do that together better than we could do it alone. 
And as we fly, our efforts are constantly and consistently help, helping others in the family. Brings us to a second point of the responsibility of the church. Not to get sucked into um, or to follow meaningless, empty, uh, vain philosophy as Paul Paul has that conflict in verse 1. It goes with verse 1 to verse 4 and verse 8. And then a large chunk of the chapter. Kind of like um, bad news, good news. I'm giving you the bad news first. It's related to his own personal experience. We must remember that Paul, Paul in his um, growing up years, he was, um, he was a dedicated, devout Jew, wrapped in uh, and clothed in Judaism. The Torah, or the law, consisted there in the Old Testament <clears throat> of the Jewish heritage serving the Jewish people was the structure. So you've got to look at the law and the Torah. But then uh, they didn't stop there. They decided that more needed to be there. And so they developed this oral law, or Mishnah, and the Gemara, which makes up the, uh, the Talmud. Let me um, just give you a brief description of what the Talmud is. This work serves as a guide to the civil laws, the religious laws, and then the teachings of Judaism, or excuse me, Judaism. <clears throat> Roughly about 63 books, 18 volumes, to make up over a thousand laws. Let me give you some good news. Verses 9 to 15. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Being complete, verse 10. Circumcision, talks about in 11. 12, were baptized in his baptism. Verse 13 refers to Ephesians chapter 1, that we're dead in our sins. Since we're dead to our sins, we're alive to Christ now. He's quickened us together. Blotting out the handwriting, or the bond of ordinances that I have here in verse 14. And then uh, verse 15, we have... He just went ahead and triumphed over everything. It's the power of Christ. Discover in chapter 1, put Christ where He belongs. Have Have you and I put Christ where He belongs? The Father put Christ where He belongs. In chapter 1. And now he's doing it in chapter 2 too. But it goes, um, it flies in the face of tradition. So we need to put aside empty traditions. How so? Well, we have um, in verses 11 and 13 talk, is, talk of the circumcision in, in the spiritual realm. It, circumcision certainly can happen in the flesh. It's that cutting away, though. After the cutting away, the skin is what? The skin is dead. It has no use. Therefore, if it's useless, why do we go back to it? That's what Paul was 
concerned for them about. He says, no, wait a minute here. We're dead to sin, to self. We're alive unto Christ. That's the operation of God that happens in verse 12. It's the operation of God. Who hath raised him? There it is. Raised him where? From the dead. It's dead. It's useless. So the Father has raised Christ. And because Christ was raised, this is very important for you and me, because Christ was raised, you and I, if we know Christ, and we're in Christ, and He in us, we too will be raised one time, one day, when He comes back for us. And I think He's coming back pretty quick. I don't know where you all stand on that, but uh, there's only two things that have to happen. A shout and a blast, and He's here. That's all that has to happen. Verses 9 to 15 should give us some pretty good news. I think it's great news. I think, I think we need to rally in it like Paul was. It's the power of Christ. Know His power. Be plugged in. Let's all get there. The flesh, the sin, law, it only enslaves us. That's the picture of Egypt, if we go back to the Old Testament teaching. That's Egypt. Egypt. They were enslaved there. They, they wanted to explain to you and me how great it was. It wasn't that... I don't know. What, what's so great about slavery? I can't think of one good thing about slavery. You're made to do what you don't want to do. That's what Christ came to break. He broke that. He broke it. For all those that we think... Uh, well, turn with me to Galatians 5. Because this... Uh, some would say, you know what? can't break from that tradition. If you break from that tradition, you just, um, well, stand aside and watch God's punishment. Uh-uh. Look at Galatians 5 here. I think, uh, what verse that was? I thought it was 4. Yeah, verses, uh, well, here it is. We'll start, well, we can start right at the very beginning of Galatians 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. He's made us free. I'm free, you're free, everybody's free. And be not entangled again with the harness of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Talking about a physical circumcision there. For I testify again that every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the or obligated to the whole law. Christ has become no effect to you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law you're fallen from grace. What did Christ do? Christ didn't come to give us more law. Duh! We didn't need more law. As a matter of fact, the Ten Commandments show us how good we are. No, they don't. They show us how bad we are and how much we need a Redeemer. That's the beauty of the whole Bible. It brings to you and me and the whole world our need for a Redeemer. We need to be redeemed. 
We need to be bought back. And only Christ can do that. The law cannot justify. As a matter of fact, if you try and fulfill the whole law all by yourself, you've fallen from grace. Don't tell a certain church that I just came from about that. There is freedom, folks. It's freedom in Jesus Christ. For heaven's sakes, get out. Get out of the traditions. Because you know those folks. Those folks that are stuck there. You know what they say? What further steps do we have to take of action for salvation? Got to do something else. This is, this is too easy. It just can't be Jesus Christ alone and grace alone. It's got to be more than that. It's Jesus plus something else. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. I find nowhere in my Bible where Jesus had to come. He had to come to the United States of America and die on a cross. I'm sorry. That doesn't work. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the Bible plus the Book of Mormon. And, you know, where do we stop? Who's right and who's wrong? If, if it's that and it's something else, then we're all, we're all going to be confused. That's the problem. That's what Paul's pointing out. You're all going to be just confused. Stick with what I have, what's real with me. Look, I was there. I was Judaism, man. That was, that was what it was. What it was. What it is now is Christ. And you all need to get, just get there. Get there and go there and keep going. That brings me to a, um, a cake illustration. A leading manufacturer developed a new cake mix. See, I, you know, you've got to have that meal and then dessert. So... Um, the new cake mix just required water only. And they took tests and they took surveys and um, um, they found it to be superior quality. They said, well, how's it taste? It tastes pretty good. Um, easy to use. It's moist, tender. Folks are just going to flock to the, uh, they're going to just pull, that's the first one that's coming off the shelf is what they determined. Few people bought it. Why? Why did only a few people buy our new product? So they 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 said, well, we we've got to we got to take surveys. Survey said. Survey said recall, rework, release the the new um, the new and improved one. The new cake mix required that. One, not only add water, but also an egg. Imagine that. It is now the leading product on the market. The first cake mix was just simple, well, it was just too simple to believe. It's just too good to be true. Just add water? 
People cannot accept it. People cannot accept how easy salvation is. What more do we have to add? Do we have to rework it? Do we have to mix it? No. No, we don't. It is Jesus Christ and not religious traditions as true spiritual life happens in each one of us in verses 16 to 20 back to Ephesians or back to Colossians. The religious rules, regulations, traditions once followed were just a mere shadow. That's all they were, a shadow of things to come, the body of Christ. He came with righteous judgment against sin. He will come for His church. Praise God. He will come for us one day. And then we will return with Him in righteous judgment against the world. Are you and I prepared for His return? And are we boldly proclaiming to others to have a relationship with Him? Notice I said relationship with Him. Not a religious experience. It's not religion. It's relationship. Let me close. Let me close with an experience that I had with my Catholic neighbor right across the street. Mark... Are we in Revelation? Are we in the uh, Revelation period? Are we in Revelations? I said, Brian, why do you say that? I'm scared. Things are pretty scary out there. They are. It's uh, it's getting pretty tense. I heard that they could do something in our water system. I'll I'll agree with you. They could do something with our water system. I'm scared for my kids. Well, what's um, I'm just afraid. I'm scared. I, I'm struggling with my hope. I said, Brian, you, you know, well, you've just explained to me in, in Revelation. Where is Revelation? In the Bible. I said, in the New Testament, Brian, Jesus is there. Jesus is all the hope we need. Jesus, I told him, flat out, I almost preached Brian the sermon this morning. I said, Brian, Jesus is our all in all. That's all we need. I said, you just, get, you just need to get to know him. Mark, you're absolutely right. My kids know who he is. I need to get there too. I don't know how it's going to be for Brian. I, I don't know what kind of Traditional Catholic stuff he's stuck in. All I know is one thing, though. Christ is all in all, and that's all he needs. That's all I need. That's all you need. That's all we need as a church. It's not religious traditions. It's not... It's not all that other fluff and stuff. 
What things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship in humility, neglecting the body, not in any honor to satisfying the flesh. He's telling us there there's no value. There's no value in any of it. The only lasting value we have is knowing Jesus Christ personally. That's all of lasting value. Do you know that this morning? Have you experienced it? If you haven't, don't go without talking to somebody. Don't leave without talking to Him. Make sure. Make sure this morning. And then, if you know that, um, be like me and pray for my neighbor, Brian. you probably got neighbors too that... that um, They may be stuck. They may be in a rut. You know the difference between a rut and a um, and uh, a grave. Anybody know the difference between a rut and a grave? What is it? Um, The grave has dimensions. The rut doesn't. You you can you can map out. Yeah, you can map out where what the dimensions are for a grave. Being stuck in a rut. Because eventually, it just leads to a grave, unfortunately. But some of you, maybe many of you, will be, be in touch with some family members this, this week that, that this will apply to them. Just give them the good news. Give them the greatest news. You don't have to be there. Jesus can set you free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and praise you this morning for this lesson. Lord, I see the excitement that Paul has. He has it for the folks that are gathering there at the church of Colossians. He's reminding them to be welded together. He's saying take turns. Take turns at the helm. Take turns at flying. Because the one at the helm is going to get beaten down the worst against the wind. Take turns. Allow the older ones and the young ones to fly at the end so they can make it with the rest of the group. Lord, it's a picture of that eagle. How beautiful it soars. The strength that it has. The keen eye it can see for miles the rodent running out there in the field. Lord, so to us, that we can be mounted up on eagles' wings. And yet, Lord, too, you're like that mother. You're like the mother eagle who will watch over and roost over and nest over and take care of the eaglets that are up on the cliff. Lord, for some of us in this room this morning, we need your protection. 
Lord, I pray for protection. Then there's others, Lord, that are, are just waiting to soar. Lord, if they need to be kicked out, let them be kicked out so that they'll soar on their own to serve you. Lord, whatever situation in which we find ourselves, either meet the need or let them loose. Father, however you want to work in your people here this morning, we'll just continue to praise you and to thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.